It didn't listen to me. It walked out of the thicket. It turned around and looked at me. They looked up, and in this tree, there was a monkey man. And the monkey man jumped down out of the tree and started running away. And suddenly, they're right in front of the car. He slams on the brakes and manages to stop. And he's skidding because it's not quite, you know, um, graveling. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell them panicking, they're like ripping up thing. Their 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 face is like twitching. Bigfoot Society. This is your host, Jeremiah Byron. Every week I talk to different people in the cryptozoology field. You never know who's going to be on next week. If you'd like to sponsor the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. You get access to a ton of things there, including a close-knit cryptid community on Discord where you can connect with like-minded cryptid researchers and enthusiasts, weekly bonus content, the ability to hang out with each week's guest after the main show, exclusive merch, and much, much more. In this episode, I get to talk to Mr. Chris Spencer from the Olympic Project from Washington State, all about all sorts of uh, Bigfoot things, everything from having Dr. Grover Krantz as his college anthropology professor to a uh, strange encounter him and his son had uh, way back uh, to do with a Bigfoot and also some extremely practical advice to do with what sound record to get for those starting out in the Bigfoot research field and a lot of other great advice as well. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thanks again for listening to the Bigfoot Society podcast. All right, Bigfoot Society, thanks for coming back for another episode. I've got, uh, this time we've got Mr. Chris Spencer uh, with me from the Olympic Project. How's it going, Chris? Good. How are you, Jeremiah? Doing well, man. I've I've been wanting to talk to you for quite a long time, so I'm pumped to have you on. Uh, in case we've got people that are not uh, familiar with Chris, I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about uh, your bio before we get into it here. Uh, so <clears throat> Chris Spencer has been investigating and researching the subject of Sasquatch since 2015. A Washington State native, Chris has had an interest in the subject his whole life after an anthropology class with uh, Dr. Grover Krantz, which, oh my goodness, in the spring of 1992, he's always approached the subject from a science-based perspective, which is cool. Uh, Chris followed the subject loosely until he and his son had a disturbing experience in 2013. At that point, he began investigating and actively searching for evidence of the target subjects being Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. In 2015, he began audio recording in areas of interest and is now a member of the Olympic Project, which hopefully uh, all um, listeners to this know what the Olympic Project is. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, try to remember to put some links uh, so you can uh, watch uh, that great uh, STM documentary, of course. Um, but uh, Chris, I mean, you, you've, you're dropping some crazy stuff in that uh, bio. Is there anything else that the audience would want to know or uh, should that be uh, good? Do you think that's pretty good? Uh, Yeah, no, I, I actually uh, like every, uh, everybody else that's in the subject 
found my interest starting with the in search of film that came out in the seventies. Dude, me too. Yeah. Um, I must've, I must've been about six or seven, but it was oh, shortly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shortly after watching that. And I remember my dad watching that film and saying, Oh, that's a guy in a suit and this and that. And, <laughs> Um, it wasn't long after that. We, uh, we had a cabin in Packwood, Washington. Okay. And, uh, it was, I want to say it was late spring. Like I said, I was like six or seven, but me and my dad and my little sister went up to cut some wood for the cabin. Mm -hmm. And there was a fresh clear cut that you could see down into the valley and see Packwood, the town. And dad wanted to take some pictures and he had one of them little instant camera things. And he was taking pictures. And I'd found these tracks along the side of the road in the mud, and it was kind of mud and slushy snow, and they're bare footprint tracks. I don't remember the details to them, but they're really big. And I remember telling my dad, "Hey, Dad, look at this, Bigfoot." And I, what I do remember specifically is my dad's reaction. He came over, I'm bent down over the track, and he's looking at the track, and his eyes just about bulged out of his head. Oh man! And he said, "Get in the truck. We're leaving." really and that was it <laughs> so dude it, that was like and i don't i don't know i don't remember the details of the truck i just remember they were big bear footprints and uh my dad on the way home i remember him saying it was probably hunters and i remember uh or actually then before we got in the truck i he said it's probably hunters i remember saying well if it's a hunter he doesn't have shoes on dad yeah <laughs> so, that's not a good thing oh my goodness so, that is a fun story it's always fun yeah. when you experience uh, you, your parents being thrown for a loop as as a kid or a junior high. I think you know most of us have had that experience, and it's like it makes it makes you kind of grow up in a little bit when you're like, oh, yeah. You know, I just maybe I, dad doesn't have all the answers. Like, what's what's going on? This is this is something, you know. Yeah, it definitely bothered him um, because you know he he always said Bigfoot was a was a joke basically and uh he doesn't now which is cool he's 80 now okay and, uh, he follows what i do he's really interested in what i'm doing now so he he uh ever so often you know because he's he's at that age where memories just kind of pop into his head and okay oh a couple when i first started this one of the first uh, uh suspect things i ever recorded were some whistles hmm. and i was playing them for my dad this is back in like 2016 or 17 no, actually, okay. 2017. And uh, out of nowhere, he just goes, oh, the Whistling Wolverine. I'm like, Whistling Wolverine? What, what are you talking about, Dad? He goes, it's the Whistling Wolverine. And I'm like, I'm, I, I go, Dad, what are you talking about? Evidently, he was once again up at Packwood. He had hiked into Packwood Lake and camped out for a night by himself. Okay. And on his way out, he heard whistles. And when he got, and he didn't think anything of it, when he got back to, when he got back to Packwood, he went into the Blue Spruce Tavern, which is still there today. And he asked the locals about it and they all told him, oh, it's the Whistling Wolverine. And that's all he remembered of it. And I go, oh, dad, why haven't you told me this story before? (laughs) Because he knows what I do. It's just all of a sudden. Yeah. But to him, it was like, yeah, that's that's so crazy. The Whistling Wolverine, dude. (laughs) So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. I would love to, to hear a little bit about, so let's see, 92. Uh, that's a while back. What is that? About 30 years or so? Yeah. Something like that. That's a while back ago. <laughs> so there's some listeners 
uh, of this podcast where they weren't alive. But yeah. what's it? What was it like to be a student of Dr. Grover Krantz in that anthropology class? That's that had to have been a crazy experience. So honestly, I was 18, 19 okay. at the time. Okay. Um, and my mind was not on Bigfoot in those days <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but I, I loved history and anthropology. That my major was history, but I took just as many anthropology classes as I did history classes and um i just i'm i didn't think much of it he was just an older kind of you know scary professor yeah i i'm old school i was scared of a lot of my teachers right. and uh it, it wasn't that i was scared of. it was just i had a certain respect for him and he, it was dr Krantz and this and that and it was just a regular class until one day and i found out this later he devoted one lecture every semester to the topic yep. of Sasquatch. Definitely. And uh, this is one of the, you know, now looking back, it's like, man, I wish I had a tape recorder with me for that lecture. Yeah. I have my notes somewhere in a box out in my garage. I need to dig out. Oh my goodness, um, dude. Just because I know I took notes during his lecture. Um, anyways, uh, I walked into class and here on his counter were these cast tracks and, of course, the recreation of the Gigantopithecus skull that he actually came up with exactly. from the jaw. Yep. He, yeah. he took measurements and, <clears throat> and built that that uh, skull that you see all the time now. And that was sitting on the counter. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? But, you know, I, like I said, I wish I had a tape recorder because, I, you know, that's a long time ago. I don't remember oh, yeah. all the details. But uh, he went through the Patterson-Gimlin film. And he had, I think, a third generation copy. And uh, when he was done with that film, like I said before, up until that point, my dad had always said it was a guy in a suit. And pretty much that's what I thought, too. When I left that lecture, I believe that was a real animal. Wow. He he explained why it couldn't be a a person. Um, And, you know, he had the film. And the, the film that he showed in the class was way better quality than what I'd seen on tv oh yeah point. oh yeah um and so at you know after that class i i called my mom and i told her about it and it just happened that was the same year that he released big footprints his book it had just oh, come man. out yeah so my mom actually picked me up a copy of the book and i was home on one of the weekends because i was i live in western washington so every so often i'd drive home for a weekend or something but she got me a copy of that book and i actually took it to his lab and I got him to sign it. And then I, I bought a copy of the dermals cast. It's one of the tracks in his book that he discusses quite a bit because it has dermal ridges on it. And it's a cast that uh, Paul Freeman had made from the blue mountains. So I have a copy of that. And I think I paid, it's it's Paul Freeman day 40 years. Yeah, I probably it's a copy, but I paid like 20 bucks for it or something. But, oh, man. Should, you know, I didn't wow. think of, I was kind of a dummy. I didn't get him to sign. It. I got him to sign my book. Oh, yeah. yeah I, didn't, still, I should have had cool. him sign the darn cast. I didn't oh, do that. Man, I still, that would be nuts. I still have that book. I've read that book. I don't know how many times. Oh, dude. It's probably hands down. It's one of the best books out there. If you're just getting into the subject, you got to read Grover Krantz's Big Footprints. It's got, yeah, it's got to be. What other books do you recommend too? Just, mm. 
Um, I know oh, that's Meldrum's a loaded book. question. Yeah, Meldrum's When book. Legend Meets Science. Um, yeah. I actually, let's see, I'm trying to, I really enjoyed uh, uh, Leiterman's book that just came out, The Bluff Creek Project. Oh, yeah. I haven't read that yet. I need to. It's not, but, yeah. It, it's not really about big, there's not a lot of Bigfoot stuff in it, but I, I enjoyed hearing his take on the process of refining the film site. I, mm. I really enjoyed that. He did a good job. Um, yeah, I honestly, a lot of the books are really repetitive to me. Uh, but, you know, my top, top book is probably John Green's book. Um, and Grover Krantz's Big Footprints. That's those are the awesome. My two top picks. I love Kathy Strain's book, which is Dude. it's basically a, a collection of Native American stories. Mm-hmm. And I actually got that in 2015, and I I met Kathy in 2015, and I got her to sign that. But oh, she's cool. one. She's really nice, really nice lady. Um, very encouraging, and uh, I. I have nothing but good things to say about her and her husband, Bob. They're awesome people. Very encouraging people. When you're, when you first meet them, just very down to earth people. Oh, I agree. Like, um, you know, Kathy's one of the nicest people I've interviewed. I need to talk to Bob definitely because I've, I've heard he's got some amazing uh, stories and a viewpoint as well. But Kathy was just one of the nicest people to, to talk to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved her book because it actually has the Native American stories from tribes in my area. And I've, oh, yeah. okay. I've recorded okay. some of the things they talk about in their stories, you know? So it, it's like lends that little extra credence to hmm. the area that I'm recording in when I whistle specifically the Yakima tribe, the Puyallup tribe, I think the Chehalis tribe too, but I know the Yakima tribe and the uh, Puyallup tribe talked about whistles around Mount St. Helens quite a bit. And oh, so man. that's one of the things I've recorded up there. So Oof. Um, over, over, let's say all the things you've recorded. Um, and this is, this is totally off the cuff. We didn't talk about this ahead of time, but uh, is there a recording uh, that, that sticks out to you? Like maybe you could describe that like, Hey, uh, that to me is like the coolest thing I've ever recorded. Uh, it changes every year. I get, I always oh, get wow. one, I get one thing every year, but uh, I, there's one from 2016. Okay. I call it, call it eight fit and it's hands down one of my favorites. Oh man. Um, it, it sounds like a gorilla getting ticked off in the woods. Whoa. Yeah. That's why But I've ever, I mean, I, I was talking to Shane just the other day and I'm like, I have, I have a lot of cool audio I need to go back through that I forget about. Um, you know, obviously the whistles again, some of my first catches are my favorites. I have one called Mr. Grumpy Pants I got in 2016. And it's just I don't even know how to describe it. It's on my YouTube channel if anyone wants to go listen. Everything both of those are on my YouTube channel. Awesome. So, are they actually titled that too? Yeah, one right, I did cool. a did a comparison of eight fit. And then Mr. Grumpy pants is just titled Mr. Grumpy pants. Perfect. I will link those, uh, in the show notes. I'm going to write that. Dude, this is, this is awesome. Um, before, Oh, before I wanted to ask uh, about, uh, Dr. Krantz real quick, 
and this is weird. Do you remember, uh, was the third generation copy, was that like, um, was that a VHS or was it like no, a it was film? We watched it, it was from a film. film. Oh was, man. He had a film projector in the, in oh, the classroom. Dude. It was cool. Oh, I can't imagine that, Chris. That's just like, just to, to see the Patterson Gimlin film in 35, you know, millimeter format or, you know, the film format. That's just cool. That's a cool experience, dude. But, What's, I mean, it's, I'm glad I can say I had that experience, but yeah. I didn't appreciate it back then. That's, that's when back then I didn't even, I didn't know who Krantz was. I didn't follow really the subject of Bigfoot until I had his class. Then mm. I started loosely following it. But up until that point, I had no idea who he was. You know, he was just my anthropologist teacher. And then yeah, <laughs> I had there no idea is. there was a, there was a Bigfoot connection. Mm. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Pat Flynn here, host of the award-winning podcast, the Smart Passive Income Podcast, which was created to help you learn how to become an entrepreneur. And in the simplest way, too, you know, entrepreneurship can be very difficult. I like to simplify things. And I interview people like Josh Hall and Shane and Jocelyn Sams and Maria Fela. Who are they? Well, they're people just like you, people who have taken action after listening to the show and have built a business that has changed their lives. And I'd love to share an episode with you that I think will inspire you to get started, too. Check out the link in the description or go to smartpassiveincome.com slash 122 to get inspired, get what you need to get started, and change your life. You got this, and thank you. That is so cool. That's so cool. Um, yeah, usually when I talk to, to guys, uh, it's it's the much older guys that have been able to have that experience of watching uh, the Patterson-Gimlin film in a in a 35 millimeter film uh, format so that's cool that you being a much uh, younger guy you were able to get that well thank uh, you <laughs> yeah i mean dude we're not that much different i mean i remember well let's see 92 i well maybe a little different 92 i remember was third grade and uh i did ducktales it was a great year it was a great year man third grade <laughs> <laughs> anyways that's off topic um let's talk about the experience with your son. I'm very, okay. I'm, I'm, I've heard. So what was it that you experienced? And you allude to this in your bio. There's something that happened in 2013. Do you mind sharing that? So I actually, I want to say 2011, I had a, just a, a knocking kind of experience Ooh, while okay. bass fishing. Oh, So I, it had kind of rekindled my interest in the subject at the time of that experience, I, I knew about knocking, but I didn't, I didn't correlate it really with Bigfoot until I started investigating it. But basically I want to say it was either 2010 or 2011. I'd been, I used to fish uh, my thing before Bigfoot was competition bass fishing. So oh, cool. if, if I wasn't at work, I was bass fishing and it just happened. I was uh, fishing with a friend from my bass club on Rife Lake in late September it was a gorgeous day and we'd um, just been running cranks parallel to the shore. And we got, as we're going down this one shoreline, there was something large moving in the timber. And we were on the, we we're on the side that's up against the Gifford Pinchon National Forest. Okay. So it's all thick, almost straight up and down hillside right there. 
but I mean, we would, it was something big and it was breaking branches and it wasn't all the time, but it was consistently moving with us as we fished down the shoreline for a good half hour plus. And I had noticed, and I didn't say anything to my buddy and we got to a Creek and we got on some fish. So we kind of hung out around this Creek and I was drop shotting in about 20 feet of water. And the, I love smallmouth fishing. We were catching smallmouth anyways. <laughs> um, so I did, the thought of whatever that was just is gone. We're catching fish. We're getting doubles and this and that. And finally the fishing slows down and we decide, well, let's drop the big motor and run up the lake to closer to the mouth of the river where the river flows into the reservoir. And as we're putting our poles away and he's lowering the big motor, pow, uh, from the timber. And I looked at him. And he kind of laughed. He goes, what do you think it is? Bigfoot? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. I just like, <laughs> I don't know. I go, did you notice? Did you notice what was moving? There was something moving along shore. He goes, yeah, it's probably elk. And that was it. We went fishing. Mm. But that um, kind of spurred my interest in the subject again. And I okay. actually started looking at YouTube and reading all the junk that's out there and this and that. So I did have Bigfoot in the back of my brain. Right. It wasn't like an obsession like it is now, but I was, <laughs> I was more aware of the subject at that point in time. So by 2013, um, I wasn't completely uh, out of the loop with the subject. And I actually contacted a BFRO guy because I found the BFRO okay. shortly after that. And I was actually in the process of making a report with him about that experience and when we had our experience in 2013 anyways um so my son was 13 years old okay and i'd bought him a little walmart two-man tent for christmas and he really wanted to use it and so his spring break started april um april 5th hmm. so it was really it was a colder year it's very much like this year we're having really a cold wet spring this year and okay. it was it was a similar weather-wise year, and it was just horrid, horrid uh, weather. And I told Jameis, I said, well, let's just get on 14, and we'll head east, and we'll see what the weather's like east of the mountains. So we ended up driving out to um, Skamania County Campground. The weather sure. was nicer. It was drier. It was still wasn't great weather, but it was cold, and there was still snow up above, up around 2,000-foot level. But this is... So this was April 5th. It was a Friday. We got to the campground. The campground had opened April 1st and there was no one else there. And I'm pretty sure we were the first people to camp there. Um, we set up camp right on the river, uh, got out and decided to do a little exploring. And the campground is you basically have Highway 14 and then you have the Columbia River. And it's just this little sliver of timber. It's maybe five acres. Um, and at that time, it was very thick with brush. There was a lot of vine maple, a lot of salmonberry, and uh, around the campground. Well, we went down to the river, and we, we walked up along the river, and we came to a spot where there was kind of a trail that went back into the timber. And there was some old degraded tracks, human foot-shaped tracks in the sand. And my I remember my son, Jameson, he was... He was like, oh, look, Dad, Bigfoot. And I'm like, ha, 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 whatever. <laughs> well, we 
we walked up this trail and it hit another trail that went back to camp. Well, as we're walking in the timber, I started noticing little clusters of piles of freshwater clams in oh, the timber wow. that were just open and clean. They weren't chewed on. They weren't broken. Um, and it just, in the back of my mind, I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of odd. I mean, birds, ravens will pick those up. Jays will pick pick those okay. up. But usually, you know, usually you find find the shells at the shoreline where, you know, critters have gnawed on them, broke them, and this and that. But it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that, uh, that some jays or ravens had brought some back into the timber. But it sure. was just something in the back of my head that was that just was odd because they weren't like i said they weren't chewed on they were just open and clean well we got walking and it all, we were almost to our camp and we kind of come around a bend and right in the middle of the trail there's this vine maple that's twist broke oh, and man. wrapped around a big fir tree and it's fresh twist broke up about six feet high and right below it in the pine needles is an eight by nine inch track and you can see a definite heel oh man and what looks like toes it was very fresh and i'm just both me and jameson were like holy crap you know we we're like this is cool and so we started really looking around we ended up we found another track that that went into thicker brush in all this leaf matter that measured um eight or nine by eighteen I actually ran back to my Jeep to get a tape measure so I could measure all these. And I had a flip phone at the time. I have pictures somewhere, but they're terrible. Okay. Um, that it, uh, but we took pictures and uh, basically we we're excited. We we're like, oh, this is cool. We found some other odd broken branches and stuff. But that vine maple oh, limb man. twist, I actually I cut it out. <laughs> oh, oh, you got it right there. No way. It's it's nothing like it was because it flexed itself. It's all dried out, but this was green and wow. twisted all the way over. So, yeah, that's awesome. Anyways. You still have it. Anyways, we went back to camp and we were all excited and we decided to go fishing. We went and fished a couple uh, ponds that are off the highway there and came back and we were roasting hot dogs and it started kind of lightly raining. So I set up. This little tent of his didn't come with a rain fly. It's a Walmart special. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I took two. I had two small tarps, and I set up two tarps over the top of our tent, and I tied them up with paracord. Well, it gets dark, and Jameson went to bed about 930, and I, I fully admit I was thinking about those tracks and that twist break we found, and it's dark out, and we're the only people there. Yeah, <laughs> and, dude. Oh man, I, I was creeped out, but I finally mm. went to bed maybe a half an hour after him. I, I fell asleep, but I woke up, um, at shortly after midnight, I heard heavy movement around the camp and it was just like, it wasn't constant. It was just every so often I it sounded some, something big was moving up by where my Jeep was parked. Okay. And it would go quiet, and I'm just like, "Am I hearing things?" And I, I lay down, and I was just starting to fall asleep again, fall asleep. And something grabbed the tent, those tarps, and pulled on those tarps. Oh no! And I just sat straight up and and screamed the f word. 
Yeah. And like screamed, what the F? And yeah. uh, Jameson, it woke Jameson up and Jameson was just like, what's going on? I'm like, nothing. I'm just bad dream. Go back to sleep. And <laughs> yeah, he's 13. He just go to sleep like yeah, that. Right, on right, the time. right. So he's, he goes back to sleep and I lay down and I'm like, I'm kind of second guessing myself. I'm like, did I really hear that? Or cause I was in and out of sleep and I was just talking myself into that didn't happen. And it just in case I grabbed the fob to my Jeep, mm -hmm. I had the fob in my hand and I had the 44 in this other hand. Right, right, right. And I'm just yep. falling asleep, I've fallen asleep again and it happened again. And this oh, time I, I hit the fob lights and the horn go off with the Jeep. Yep. And I didn't sleep the rest of the night. Uh, I sat there. That's probably the scaredest I've ever been. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it Up to that point, that's the scaredest I've ever been camping. And it's still the scaredest I've ever been. Gotcha. I I mean, I, I really did a number on myself. I was like shaking. I was so scared at a couple points. Wow. And I, can't, I couldn't get myself to get out of the tent. I'm sitting there with my son. I got a 44 Magnum. Yeah. And... I can't talk myself into getting out of the tent. Now, mind yeah. you, nothing touched the tent again or those tarps. Nothing came close to us again. But I did sporadically throughout the night, I would hear that heavy movement. And at one point, because we we're right by the water, something was down splashing around in the water. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> and I, it, it was just, it was, it was actually really nerve wracking. I mean, I had the sweats and I was, if someone told me uh, after it happened, they're like, oh, you got zapped. I'm like, no, I didn't get zapped. I was just scared out of my mind. Um, but somewhere around 3.30, I remember looking at my phone and I was just like, oh, please let it get light. I want it to get light. And between the, somewhere around that time and four, pow, knock right, right behind where our tent wow. And... I laid there probably for another 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden I was like, this is silly. I got out of the tent and I built up a fire and I waited for Jameson to get up. And of course, when he got up, I asked him, I said, what'd you hear last night? And he's like, I heard you cussing and I heard the horn and the lights and everything going off on the Jeep. And then I told him what I heard. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't want to stay here again, dad. And I'm like, we're not. Yeah, we're right. Yeah, totally. So after that, which that, that's what got me into this. <laughs> so. That's funny because it's kind of like a parallel to what happened to you and your father, where you saw the track and your dad was like getting the Jeep yeah, or going. It is, but it could <laughs> happen with your son. That's really that, cool, man. That wasn't lost upon me. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Yeah, after that, I just uh, you know I, I did the YouTube thing. I was watching and reading everything. I could possibly find on the subject. And, um, I started listening to podcasts and I, Shane had a, he had another podcast besides monster X going. And I, I really Are liked we, which is that Chris, sorry. Uh, internet somehow got all jumbled up. Um, so I didn't get the last uh, sentence or two that you had said about monster X. I'm sorry. Okay. Back at that time, Shane was doing another show. Uh, and I, it's crypto zoo, cryptological or something like that. Okay. And, uh, I'd listened to him several times and I thought, man, I really like this guy. I, 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 I want to meet him sometime. Mm 
Mm. And it, it was, I think he, it was either one of his shows, one of those shows or one of monster X shows. I, I heard David Ellis talking about audio recording. Oh uh, yeah. And this is like 2014 by this time. And I'm like, you know what? That really interests me. Just taking a recorder out in the woods when no one's there and just leaving it and seeing what, what it picks up at night. I, I was intrigued by that thought and I decided I'm going to find a place to do that at. And I, I actually, in 2014, I went back to that campground and the County had gone oh, through wow. the County had gone through and cleared it all out. I mean, it's wide open. All the big trees are there, but all that brush, all that vine maple's gone. You could see for days in there then. Interesting. So, because I had planned on, well, if it's still the way it was, I was going to set up a recorder there. You know, why not? I, and uh, I spent a lot of time driving around the Wind River, uh, around the south, the southeast side of St. Helens. And it just dawned on me. I was coming home. I was going past Eagle Cliff store one evening after spending the day driving all over. And it just dawned on me. It's like, you dummy, you got to go where the animals are. And I know where the, the elk winter here, very close to where I live. And I decided well, I'm going to go in there and start recording there. And I sure is, uh, you know what? I, Boom. I end up catching some, uh, interesting stuff. Um, and I don't mean to, I didn't mean to ramble. I got off topic, but <laughs> no, uh, that's, that's good to do you mind if uh we try to play one of the sound clips right now i'm gonna try to try to share one uh specifically the ape fit one okay all right let's see if i can do it hi jeremiah from the future there uh spoiler alert he, he did not do it uh we had some technical malfunctions there but i will put in the show notes the link to the uh, sound that we were trying to play and also a link to another sound that I really should have played. Anyway, it's a whole deal. Um, but uh, thanks for your patience, guys. All right, back to the show. That's one of the first things I put up on my... Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I've done a comparison since then that's a little bit better, but that... I can tell you about that recording, what's cool about it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, basically, at that point in time, I was taking a Tascam out with an... Ex external battery pack and I could get about three days and two nights mm. and I put it out on a Friday and the, the elk had been in there. And so I don't know if, if you ever record elk, they're like a herd of cattle going through the woods. They make okay. a lot of noise. Okay. And so the elk were in there the first night, somewhere in the morning, the elk actually leave. You hear them breaking branches and walking off. A storm rolls through, big storm. I actually recorded a bunch of thunder and light thunder on it. Around six o'clock, storm's done, and it's just that silent silence mm. in the woods. Just that there's no wind. It's just utterly silent. There's a few drops of water from residual rain, and just complete silence. At ten fifty one p.m., that happens, and basically. If you didn't hear it, there's several percussives. There's something grunting. Yep. yep. And then there's an ending percussive. Well, you have that noise, and then it goes dead silent again. And it's silent till the batteries died in the recorder like eight hours later. Gotcha. So 
it it's not just that the this and i've looked at the the grunts and they it's not not like any elk i've ever recorded before some people say well it could be bear the percussives are what make it for me when i get vocals right. and percussives that's when it becomes really intriguing because that i that last percussive that was done intentionally and yeah. something with hands did it so that's why i love that clip Dude. i mean the instant and i try to tell people with the, the the audio it's not i'm looking at everything visually of course it's not just it's a combination of things it's what the visual signatures are what it sounds like the pitch and tone but it's also the context. What was going on before the sound occurred? Okay. What happened after the sound occurred? All of that plays a part in what I, what I, how I come to dub something suspicious or not. So, mm. and you're so you're referring to oh, uh, kind of like, oh, can you hear mm. me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, did you hear everything I just said? I did. Yeah. I think we're I actually, good. We're I, good. I muted myself. Oh no, you're good. You're good, dude. <laughs> okay. I saw your mouth move. I was like, "What the heck?" I just noticed I hit the mute button on my computer for some reason. Anyway, I, we're good. We're good. Um, so you're referring to like when you look at um, and um, the actual technical term is exp escaping me, but like when you load a sound up. Yep, exactly. And you can see yep. the different waves and everything and, and different animals will make, uh, their sounds will look like different, uh, forms pretty much each time. Right. Like they'll have a, yes. Yeah. They, it's just like a fingerprint. Um, okay. Different animals will have specific signatures and each individual animal may have a different pitch and tone, maybe run a little variance in the frequencies, but it's, especially birds are really repetitive. Mm. Um, Coyotes have a very distinctive signature and coyotes. I mean, they're all over the place. They make a lot of different vocals and that's, that's where tone and pitch come into play. Um, it's just overall, there's a lot of different aspects that goes into reviewing the audio. And it's not, it's not just, I'm dubbing something suspicious because of one thing. There's multiple things that go into why I would label something suspicious. Gotcha. Let's say we've got uh, people listening, and I myself is one of one of them because I'm I'm actually going on my first Bigfoot expedition uh, coming up in late July uh, with my buddy Tate, and um, I need to make sure I have a good sound recorder. So, is there one over the other that you recommend, or is it more the type of recorder? you know, or, uh, what are your thoughts on like what to get as a beginner? I, I went with Tascam's DRO fives. Um, okay. they're relatively inexpensive. They record good sound. They're, they're perfect. I still use them when I go camping. I have like six that I, cause I like to put out multiple recorders at different distances and different directions. Um, but so I know some people like zooms, but for affordability for your first first uh, recorder i like tascams okay i think you i know alex he likes uh, his zoom mm -hmm. i don't think they're i don't think one is better than the other for the price range so i mean All around right. 100 bucks i think tascam dro5x is 100 110 bucks or something so you're saying uh to 
plan on spending about a hundred to 150 for like a, a good a solid one. beginner one yeah. for going. You want something okay. that's going to record stereo. Um, oh. you don't want mono stereo is always better. And, uh, I usually with the task cams, I have them set to 320 K, um, MP3. Cause the MP3. Oh, can, sorry. Can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? Sorry. Our, the internet went out again. And that was really important. Usually I have it. I have it set to 320 K MP3. Okay. Okay. Um, just because wave is actually going to collect more detail when you record in wave format, you'll actually get a better quality recording, but it takes up so much memory. Yes. Um, the 32 gig chip that those recorders take will fill up in a matter of hours versus really? days. Like oh, wow. with a 32 gig chip set of MP3 320K, you can get three days, like I said, with an external battery. And with lithium batteries, I've gotten two days with just the lithium batteries in it. It says not to use lithium in them, but I've I've never had an issue with TAS cams and lithium. Um, but Wave is obviously going to give you a better quality recording format wise, but it just it takes up all your memory. I mean, you need something like my the SM4s that I use now, they have like two two terabyte uh, slots. I can put two uh, two terabytes cards in them because it records only in Wave, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, memory and power would come into play. But for if you're a beginner, just get a Taz camera or Zoom and set it to mp3 why is it important and i'm gonna ask some really beginner questions but i think this is good for myself and the audience because like we're not out in the field uh like you yourself is uh why is it important to record in stereo uh it just it's it gives you more context to the uh, the okay. overall ambient sound. It sounds better. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, that makes I mean, sense. Yeah. Uh, listen to if you listen to like the Sierra sounds, they sound that, that was in mono. It doesn't. Right. It sounds crappy, yep. and that's part of the criticism to those sounds. And I just, I mean, you can record. A lot of people like using parabolic dishes. I hate them. It sounds like crap. And <laughs> unless you, honestly, unless you know specifically where to point it, why? I want to catch 360. I want an Omni mic or I want okay. stereo. I want I want to catch 360, 360 degrees around my recorder. I want to catch all the sound around it. I don't want to just focus on one place. That is that is really smart. Okay, I yeah I had because I was kind of thinking of like parabolic uh, mics, but I I like the 360 uh, sound thing. That that is cool. Uh, you said three. 320k mp3 that's just like the uh uh the the bit rate right yeah yeah okay just for uh to make sure it's a good quality yeah. sound yeah gotcha. yeah if you just give me a call i'll tell you how to set it up nice nice <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome you know the other thing with like if you have stereo mics on it if you remember i always forget but if you have stereo mics when you're reviewing Inspectogram on Audacity, it'll show you each mic. You're going to get a picture for each mic. You okay. can start getting some directional on it. If the sound's coming in more on your left mic, that's where the sound's coming from. So, like, if I have, if I remember to, I point my mics north to south. And it's 
left mic says pointed north and something's coming in stronger on the left mic, then I know it's coming from the north. And then I could go back to that area and, and look at the area and say, okay, well, that makes sense. There's a ridge line right there. There's sounds coming off that ridge line. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's smart. Uh, when you are, let's say, walking around on, on an expedition out in the woods, uh, do you have the recorder clipped to your backpack or uh, you're probably not holding it in your hands or like what is the uh, what's the thought with that? So back in 2015, I had a couple experiences okay. in X1. That's the first place I started recording in. And I decided I was going to start carrying my recorder with me. Well, various times carrying it, it's picking up all of my movement, my noise. So I took mm. a band from one of my headlamps and I put it on my head and I just put the recorder in the band behind my hat right there. I'm kind of known if you, if you watch, <laughs> if you watch Seth's film, yeah. you'll see the recorder in the, on my head. Oh, that's when I'm funny. in the woods. That's, <laughs> I use a, a different recorder now. It's a smaller recorder. It's actually a better recorder than the Tascam. But yeah, well, the minute I'm out of the rig, there's a i call it the head recorder uh, if you look at my files head recorder and then it'll have for the date all the sound i captured on that date and stuff but yeah and wow. i have the minute i'm out of the rig i give a timestamp and uh and i'm rolling i don't go in the woods without that recorder going okay. i've had too much stuff happen in person and i thankfully virtually every experience i haven't had a lot of experiences but virtually every experience I've had, I got it recorded. That's it's awesome. Not just, it's not just a story. Cause I, I hear, I've heard from actually multiple people that have told me, you know, sometimes the knock will happen right when you come in the woods. So mm -hmm. you gotta be ready right Absolutely. off the bat. You won't have time to click it on. You better be ready to go. Well, just, uh, I talk about it in my last YouTube video. Okay. Uh, but just recently, March 12th of this year, Shane and Rebecca and I were servicing audio in the nest area. And we didn't hear any of it because we were talking. When you're talking and you're with other oh, people yeah. and moving, yeah. there's a lot of stuff you don't hear. But the minute I step out of Shane's truck, there's a whoop. Really? I end up catching oh, several man. other whoops. And what we did hear at the time is we, you want me to tell the whole story? Dude, yeah, dude, this is recent, right? Like, let's go yeah. for it, man. Yeah, totally. So, some of the audio is on my YouTube channel too, if you want to check right. it out. But um, I'll, I'll link it. Don't worry. Anyways, uh, we'd gone up there. It was about nine in the morning. Uh, we were BS, and I gave a timestamp. Jump nice. out of Shane's rig, and we we're there's several different. I have uh, three different areas that I record in the nest area. And this is quote unquote nest area three. Okay. It's where we park the rig is actually not far from where the recorder is at, but you have to kind of go about a roundabout way to get to it because of Huckleberry. And there's mm. a one trail that we used to get in. So we walked around up the trail. I'm messing with the recorder. And actually, me and Rebecca were arguing about something on and off. So I was irritated with her. She was really irritated with me. But she was checking a game camera. And she got a bobcat, so she was all excited, and she was oh, showing cool. Shane and this and that. And I was mad at the recorder for some reason because there's always a technical difficulty that ticks me off when I get out there. And <laughs> I'm dinking around with that, and Shane goes, hey, I'm going to go back and set a game camera in such and such location. I'm like, okay, yes, whatever. We'll see you back at the truck. Well, he takes off, and me and Rebecca are going about what we're doing. 
And Rebecca had heard after he left, she'd heard some branches break and she just assumed it was Shane. And I didn't hear any of it. Well, Shane got done setting up his camera and he, he went back to the truck and where he was at his truck, we're probably 150, maybe 200 yards from where the truck is. He can't see us. The huckleberries, you know, six to nine feet tall in that area, but he can hear our distant voices. He can hear me and Rebecca ever so often kind of jibber jabbering. And all of a sudden he hears branches breaking and brush movement going towards me and Rebecca's location. Oh man. And he calls me on his cell phone. I have my phone on airplane mode because I don't get my phone's a piece of crap and it's constantly looking for a signal up there. So I just put it on airplane mode. Otherwise yep. my battery's dead. Good idea. And so he doesn't get a hold of me and he's worried and it's not bear behavior, but he's like, well, what if there's a screwy bear going at him and mm -hmm. he hears this thing getting closer to me and Rebecca. So he starts heading back in the trail to meet with us. He actually drew his gun too. Oh, wow. In the meantime, me and Rebecca, we're we're on our way out by this time. And Rebecca had heard there was one big crash, evidently. And once again, I did not hear it. And I was I was ticked off about something. And she had heard it, and she thought it was Shane. Well, we get back, and we finally we meet halfway to, with Shane, and he just he looks distraught. And I'm like, "What's what's going on?" He goes, "You didn't hear that?" I go, "Hear what?" He goes, there's something going towards you guys or something moving through the brush. And oh, man. I'm like, I didn't hear anything. And Rebecca goes, oh, that wasn't you? And Shane's like, no, it wasn't me. So we actually, we, we hung out for a while. And we didn't see or hear anything. And and we're, I'm like, it's probably, it, I mean, it's probably a bear or something. It, but it was going towards us, which that was what was wow. really odd. And that was sticking in the back of our brains because definitely it wasn't deer running towards us um mm -hmm. whatever it was was running coming towards me and rebecca and i have my thoughts on why but anyways we went about our day and i got back home and i start reviewing the audio from my audio recorder the minute i like 30 seconds after i step out of shane's rig whoop there's a whoop oh, that man. we didn't and ended up recording three more whoops. I sent one of them's really close. We call it a slide whistle whoop. It has whoop. It has a perfect signature. It's on my YouTube channel, but it's it's a they were close to us and we didn't even know it. And wow. actually, I sent the audio to Monaga Haley. He actually found another whoop that I didn't even see. But yeah, so that's why I carry an audio recorder on my head all the time. Because I Dude. didn't even know what we didn't even know what was going on. We would have never known that there was actual vocalizations going on, as well as the branch breaking and the percussives. That's amazing. Oh man, that's a that's a fun little story and a good example of why you have your recorder with you because you never know what you're going to catch. Um, in the last few minutes that we have, I'm mm -hmm. curious personally. This is a, a fun question I like to ask. What is uh what to you is the most compelling piece of Bigfoot evidence? The tracks. Okay. Honestly. Okay. The tracks. I'm into audio. I love audio. And on I mean a lot of the audio for me is yeah, that's definitely 
our target subjects. But what's always impressed me is the tracks, the track mm. and the Patterson game one film. I can't wow. just pick one, dude. But I know uh, well, <laughs> so. it, that's true. It's it's tough to, to pick one, but it's funny because people will take that question and like they'll either spin it where it's like the PG film. Like, well, my aunt saw Bigfoot when she was outside and it was spider crawling across the yard type deal. I, I mean, honestly, from I was really influenced by Krantz's book and, mm. you know, the track information because the the track information is really what sticks with me because that was the first thing that besides him showing that film, he also talked about the dermal ridges and the flexing in the foot. He didn't talk about the mid tarsal break because that was top secret back then. That came out a little bit later, Good but point. back then. He talked, you know, each track in the Patterson, Patterson from the Patterson Gimlin film. That's what really impressed me. I never realized this, but there was like tracks to the animal they filmed, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and there's details in those tracks there. It was a living foot that created those tracks. I actually yep. have a, a copy of two of the tracks now, but just the fact that it wasn't, a, you know, a a stamped foot same foot every time um that's what intrigues me a living foot is creating these tracks that people are finding finding it's, it's not wild. it's not a cookie cutter stamped foot that's being mm -hmm. found all the time mm -hmm. there's living flexible footprints being found that speaks volumes mm -hmm. to the existence of something so. that is that is crazy dude it in yeah, it's not a guy out in the woods with a, a foot stamper. They're, mm -hmm. It's a living, breathing thing. Um, in the last few minutes, we have... Uh, well, we'll combine it. So you're part of the Olympic Project, the research group uh, looking for, for Bigfoot in Washington State and the Olympic Peninsula. Um what is a way that listeners can keep up to date best with uh, what yourself and what, you know, the group is doing. And um, do you guys have anything cool going on right now? Uh, I'm just the nest area. I'm doing an audio project there. I'm oh, basically, cool. I've, I'm on my way to recording every night for 2022. I got, I can't remember how, how many nights I got most of last year recorded, but I'm logging wow. absolutely everything from dusk till dawn. Uh, Wes, Liam from the Squatcher Matrix metrics, mm -hmm. me and him last year we were talking and he's like, we should just do an analysis of all the sound made from dusk till dawn. So just record everything. And I mean, taking down all the animal sounds, the known sounds and the unknown sounds. And we did that last year, and I ended up buying two um, high-dollar recorders, but well worth the money, I think, that that are capable of recording. Like, I'm up to, I can, I can record realistically about 55 nights with the batteries I'm using right now. Wow. Um, and we usually, me, Rebecca, and Shane, we go in and service the audio about once a month because... Honestly, it's hard. I have so much. Basically, I I'm reviewing audio 24 seven when I'm not at work at my day job. Totally. Just to keep up with it. And then I fill out a spreadsheet and then Wes does his 
uh, his statistical analysis because that's what Wes does. And the numbers don't lie. When certain things happen, we're finding some patterns. And that's where our goal is to get this whole year recorded to compare with last year. I'll continue to record in there. I don't know that I'll have it. I have three recorders going in there right now. I probably won't have all three recorders going next year, but I'll, I'll record in there as long as the area hasn't been logged and is open to us. We'll continue to record in there and just log all the sound. I'm, I mean, obviously there's, we want to catch unknowns, but uh, I'm logging all the known animal sounds too. That's awesome. Oh yeah. man. I love I love what you guys guys are doing, uh, and and gals of course. And of course, uh, we're doing some game camera work too. And uh, our our policy has been to kind of stay out of certain areas during certain periods of time when we suspect the nest original nests that were found were built. Mm-hmm. And then, like right now, is the time we start actually exploring. And because of the audio that I've had rolling. Um, we've kind of confirmed that there's a higher amount of activity in certain areas at certain months than there are oh, in cool. other months. And now we're, we're in the process of starting to go explore those areas. So hopefully fingers crossed, we can find some, find some, uh, newer nests built. That'd be the Holy grail or Good, yeah. any kind of physical evidence we can we can find that's that's our goal it's a hard area though it's i mean it's i've everybody's talked about it. shane's talked about it. dick's talked about it yep but you're you're on your hands and knees sometimes crawling through it just it's so thick but that's why honestly that's why they're there they're no human in their right mind is going through this area and if you're trying to avoid humans you're going to go where humans don't go I mean, you get that from watching Seth's documentary that it is not easy to get to that place. Yeah, Those where we t- is where you're going. Where we took Seth, <clears throat> we've been going in and out of there long enough that we've actually created kind of a trail. So oh, okay. it's yeah. actually where we're exploring now is thicker than that. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's even crazier than the documentary stuff. That's awesome, dude. I'm loving it. Uh, we've this is uh, of course live for the Patreon uh, supporters of the podcast. Uh, just wanted to shout out a comment. Uh, uh, Mike Casey says hello. Um, hey, Mike. Yeah, dude. <laughs> but uh, maybe we'll get to chat with him in the after show. Uh, uh, we'll see if if he's able to do some stuff. But uh, I know Mike had a, we had a I actually had a fun chat about Mike hanging out with you guys uh, last week. But yeah, I saw uh, I saw yeah. him. He, yeah, yeah, he yeah. crashed on us. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, he, he doesn't remember, but I was actually worried. I went up to his tent, was yelling, Hey Mike, are you in there? And I went back to the <laughs> fire and I go, I don't think anybody's in there. I don't hear any breathing or nothing. And then it, it was Todd Hale and uh, Shane Corson's wives, okay. uh, <laughs> Summer and Trisha. They about 10 minutes after I went over, they went over and actually woke him up. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, uh chris in the very very last minutes um uh share real quick the best way that uh people can keep up to date with with what you're doing uh 
basically I have a YouTube channel called mm-hmm. Tudor Tootle River Valley Skookum. Chris Spencer um, should should uh, pop up. I'm I have a Facebook page, but I'll be honest, I don't get on Facebook hardly ever anymore. Uh, okay. When I do create a new YouTube, I do post it on my Facebook page. It's titled the same thing: Tootle River Valley Skookum. Okay. I forget my own name to my page at times a bit. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you can just link my YouTube channel, I can send you a link to or link. I to will. The show. Yep, it'll definitely be in the show notes. There's going to be some good resources in the show notes for this one. But Chris, uh, thank you so much for coming on. You're going to spend a few extra minutes uh, in the after show for the Patreon, so uh, we can get some uh, questions asked to you from the members there. But uh, Chris, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure. No problem, man. Real quick announcement before we head out. Uh, I've got the opportunity of going on my first Bigfoot expedition at the end of July. Currently, I'm uh, trying to raise money to buy gear for that. If you want to specifically support Bigfoot Society and uh, you know, as I go into my first Bigfoot expedition, uh, feel free to do that by going over to the Bigfoot Society Etsy page and buying a t-shirt over there. That will help fund my gear for that expedition. Uh, You can also join the uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot forward slash the Bigfoot Society. I'm about to talk to that talk about that again in a few minutes but uh that's where you'll be able to see i'll be putting some interviews uh from that expedition plan is to put some extra content directly from that uh expedition into the patreon so definitely uh, support the podcast through there as well thanks thanks for listening to the bigfoot society podcast please take a few minutes to review the show on itunes five stars as it does help us get into the eyes and ears of more listeners on iTunes. Uh, That will help us just get bigger and bigger and get even better quality guests for future shows. Uh, Also, if you have any Bigfoot encounters or cryptid encounters, please send your stories and uh, audio and photos, whatever you've got, over to BigfootSociety at gmail.com. If you'd like to become more involved with Bigfoot Society and get some extra content, we do have a Patreon uh, where you can get all sorts of cool things. For example, for $7 a month, you get extra Bigfoot Society content, uh, usually interviews, but other things as well. You get a sweet membership card and a vinyl sticker that I send to you in the mail. You get access to the Bigfoot Society After Show, which is an extra interview after the main interview with the weekly guest. And usually they are up for uh, Patreon members to be in that extra show segment with them and me. And you get to ask your uh, question live to them and get an answer from the guest, which as you've seen what guests we've had in the past, this could be a really big deal. There's also a private Discord where you can get involved with uh, talking to me one-on-one and the community there, and that's always a great time. You can find the Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. We're very thankful for all our supporters that we have in so many different ways and appreciate uh, all our listeners coming back week after week to listen to more cryptozoology-based interviews. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone. Thank you.